Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review Monday Night Raw, the go-home show ahead of SummerSlam. It didn't really feel like it, did it, Hamlet? That was horrible. Um, did you have a nice week, Wilbur? It's lovely, thanks. No, no, I want three hours on that, please, <laughs> because I feel like I need those given back to me after this episode of Raw. Um, Sidgwick was given the unenviable task of something I've watched you struggle with every Monday and Friday for the last year, which is uh, cobbling together fallout, go home, and other capitalised words to try and think of things to talk about. Um, what had they? What had they actually advertised for this show? I assume. I assume the face to face between Lashley yeah. and Goldberg, and beyond that, maybe nothing else. Orton versus Omos was advertised, as was the. Um, Drew McIntyre versus Shanky and Veer handicap match, but that was a lot. Uh, horrible, a horrible show. What did you think, Sage? Moribund. <laughs> I mean, it's just so boring. Like, it's so boring. So much of it is actively bad. There were, at my count, three matches that were made on an impromptu basis. Mm-hmm. Um, made by a shrugging Adam Pierce and Sonia Deville who went, all right, if you're down, we're down. I haven't got anything else planned. Like the, the driest incompetent buffoons ever presented <laughs> on television. Like they're not good at their jobs. They don't have a show planned. They don't have a card announced, but they're just, all right, why not? That's the crack. They just, there's two of them. There doesn't need to be two of them, particularly since they're not in conflict anymore. There's just two authority figures you forget are they they don't they're not feuding with anyone else as if that isn't totally old hat to begin with they just stumble upon people who want matches and they only want matches because those matches were posed to them in the midst of a show that hadn't been booked and they're just they're just there it is the equivalent of like a football team going 
Right, we'll show up. We'll bring like 20 lads and then, uh, well, we'll see what happens. We've got 90 minutes. We'll, we'll, I'm sure some will happen. But I'm we'll sure work. another team will turn up for us to play. <laughs> and also, I'm going to talk about this now because otherwise I'll forget. I love the idea that they have had weeks, if not a month now, to plan ahead in, in, in storyline. This is if you're Bobby Lashley and you're like, we've got this uh, face-to-face. We are, you know, six days away. or no, five days away, I should say, from... Uh, from SummerSlam against Goldberg. But don't worry, MVP, I've got a plan. I have been uh, working on this and uh, I think I've got his number. Oh, what's your, what's your, what's your, what's your plan, Robert? I'm going to take a cheap shot. I got it, got him, got him. Right, that's it. That was the, the entire plan. Right. Is that it? But it does tease something, LTST, that could mean... I've said before, I think SummerSlam is shaping up to be one of the best SummerSlams ever. It is genuinely looking that way in terms of the cards. There are two things that could happen simultaneously, which I'll get to, Michael, but that would make it the best SummerSlam ever. It's just mad that exactly the former flagship show, three hours to, to hype up this. And yes, they did say, all oh, these are matches, and they added more matches to the card. Like you say, they just sort of went... Oh. Do some do some stuff and then see you on Saturday. Has your week been directed by Richard Curtis? Because this is two weddings and a funeral. Because this brand is dead. <laughs> right. Uh, the show started with a recap uh, of the the history of of Orton and Riddle, particularly obviously last week with the return and uh, and the RKO to close the show. Uh, Orton comes out to a huge reception. <laughs> Everyone loves him. Um, he said he's been asked all week why he did what he did to, to Riddle. He said, I don't need friends. I can beat AJ Styles without anyone's help. I'm a 14-time champion. I do it all by myself. I don't any, owe anyone an explanation. Viper, Apex Predator, all that bollocks, basically. Uh, he calls almost a force of nature. It was also a jackass. Uh, and he talks <laughs> at the ch- crowd, at, the crowd are chanting either RKO or RK bro or both, basically. Um, but he says, it doesn't matter what, 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 you know, how big he is, he's going to fall because of the three most devastating letters in all of entertainment. RK, bro, out comes Riddle. Uh, he says, look, I know why you gave me an RKO. You're just teaching me how to hit a proper one. Let's give this team one more go around. I need you in my, uh, I, I know you need me in your corner to, to help you beat Omos. Let's bring, bring back RK, bro, before that. Uh, Randy Orton can respond. Out comes AJ Styles and Omos. He says, I don't care. I genuinely don't care why you gave Riddle an RKO, but I'd happy to be happy to see it again. The only reason, Orton, you beat me last week was because of Riddle. Nothing's going to save you tonight against Omos. He says he's sick of hearing the word bro, which of course cues a massive bro chant from the crowd. Uh, he challenges Riddle to a match so he can break his jaw. Riddle accepts uh, and assumes that Orton's going to be in his corner. Um, <laughs> oh, Riddle does say, you're going to get a thrashing, which I do like. You're going to get a thrashing courtesy of RK, bro. And then Michael Hamlet, it's official because the match immediately followed it. What do you think of the uh, the opening bit of Raw? Yeah, it felt like repetition, even though there was development last week. Like Randy Orton came back last week and a thing happened between him and Riddle but they needn't have bothered with it really because this was a repeat of last week's opening segment. And I think it was reasonable to give that a passing grade last week and it wasn't this week. I love it when um, WWE wrestlers say they don't care about a story because it's the only time they're relatable. 
You know, sound, <laughs> they sound like real human beings. I also, AJ, don't care about Riddle and Orton's confusing, uh, psychologically abusive relationship. Um, fans are still into it. So, you know, it's maybe just because it's not for me, it doesn't mean it's not for a lot of people. And I don't think they've killed RK Bro Stone dead by any means. I just like, they've got nothing left to do with them ahead of this tag title match. Um, less is more often in wrestling, but you wouldn't know it from the last 20 odd years of WWE. And I could have done with a lot less of AJ Styles, of uh, Randy Orton and Matt Riddle this week. I'm fine with a tag title match. I'm fine with either result on Sunday. I think it's going to be heated. I think it's going to be interesting. I think you could justifiably have either team win and have an interesting story coming out the back of it. But I don't think this week's episode needed quite as much on this story. When we got to Lashley and Goldberg, it was clear that this needed to fill time because they've had zero ideas for the top <laughs> programme, which is probably why they're front-loaded with this instead. The fans are mad into it. How much that actually matters is another matter. I don't expect this to do a particularly strong rating. It happens to be the hottest thing on an absolutely freezing cold show. Um, what was planned for quarter two? <laughs> yet again, yet again, I will complain about this. Like when I'm on my deathbed one day and I look back on my life and the highs, the lows, the regrets, the successes, I'm still going to be wondering what was planned in quarter two <laughs> on Monday Night Raw. You know those writers that would leave WWE and then come out with all the mad stories, like you won't believe what Vince wanted us to do, you won't believe what he wouldn't accept, you know, all the stories around his ketchup wraps and things like that. One of these days, like a video edit is going to come out and make, I made 84 prime targets that were ruined because <laughs> you wouldn't have believed how good those Raws and Smackdowns were going to be. They were going to put my video package on last. They'd given it the main event slot and then the in general manager comes out and books a match. Waste of my time. Um, I woke up late this morning because my body's not used to waking up at this time for the last week. So I saved time by skipping through most of this match because I've seen it all before. So I skipped, <laughs> skipped through a lot of it. Basically, uh, the start was Riddle wanting a fist bump from Orton and uh, Orton left him hanging in and then left him, walked walked backstage. Riddle looked like a sad puppy. Um, and the story is Styles was targeting Riddle's leg, kicked the leg out of it. He... Uh, He's uh, targeted it with a calf crusher after Riddle tried to get out of the Styles clash and then uh, kicked Styles and then went for a on. Then he got put in the calf crusher and just got to the ropes. Uh, hit, an exploded, oh, hit an exploded suplex uh, into the turnbuckles, went up top and then almost just standing near him and walking past him effectively distracted him. That allowed Styles to knock him off and hit, or grab him off there uh, and uh, hit a Styles clash for the one, two, three. Sid, do you have anything you want to say about this match? Uh, not particularly. I think these two clearly have better in them. This mm -hmm. is a raw match that yeah. happened to be worked by two of the much better raw wrestlers. I will say that Matt Riddle's selling was tremendous. Mm. Uh, he really is fantastic at the craft of professional wrestling. And even if this wasn't a particularly memorable or electrifying professional wrestling match, his selling was fabulous. Like it really was a great individual performance from him. Um, but it looked like a tit at the finish. So what does it matter in the end? It's just weird when you get a match like this and like AJ Styles versus Riddle a year ago, two years ago, like 
even just when Riddle was in NXT, is a sort of match that people would make a custom like WrestleMania graphic for. And I'm not on about those psychopaths that want like Damien Sandow versus Keith Lee in an exploding barbed wire death match at WrestleMania. <laughs> like genuinely, people just think, oh, like they're both under the WWE umbrella. Dream match stuff. Maybe they'd missed each other when Riddle was first breaking out in the Indies and AJ was in New Japan. Um, and it's just, it's WWE. So it ends up being, it, as Cedric says, like Riddle continues to have these like three-star standards on Raw that often creep above that as well. Mm. AJ's AJ. Um, they're just masters at making things meaningless. Uh, I, I don't know how they do it. It's wizardry. Um, and you forget, it's so forgettable that it's to them to their benefit. Because if by Royal Rumble time, let's just pretend AJ is the WWE champion and Riddle happens to be your favourite, this is so forgettable that we'll be going, oh, here we go, they're going to line up Riddle as the hot Royal Rumble winner versus AJ WrestleMania Dream Match. It's like, they fought each other 16 times on television. <laughs> None of them were memorable enough to register in such a way that you wouldn't just accept this as on that 28-match WrestleMania card instead. It's, they're, I, they're a content factory, but they're very, very good uh, factory-made content. Mm. The thing about the impromptu match, sorry, is that it's not just this illogical thing that pisses me off because it just shatters the illusion that this is a card to promote. But by not promoting, before they even do the collar and elbow tie-up, the match in the mind of the audience doesn't really mean anything. Mm. It's not worth promoting. It's not worth hyping up. If it's not worth you thinking about, then it's not really worth reacting to. Like They doom these guys before they even step foot in the ring. Uh, we got a backstage interview with Nikki A.S.H. with the pop.wav button getting hammered here. He literally went backstage and everyone was like, yes, Nikki A.S.H. is here, get him! Basically, that's what it sounded like. She spouted some inspirational bollocks that no one cares about and said she's going to beat Rhea Ripley tonight and retain her title at SummerSlam. Half true, probably that. Uh, and then we got... Um, some bloke with a gold medal. Congratulations to him at ringside. Forgot to write down his name, if I'm honest. Um, but lovely to see that, of course. And then we got Sad Riddle walking through the back, carrying his scooter, not even riding it, uh, when KP caught up with him. Uh, and he just said he thought it was going to go one way. And now he's just sad. And then we got Nikki A.S.H. versus Rhea Ripley. Skip, skip means skip. Literally on the show again later on. Skip it. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Can I mention one thing? The Northern Lights suplex was great. Yes, skip. I was going to mention the bit where Charlotte forgot Byron Saxton's name on commentary. <laughs> <laughs> not even a shoot, just like, uh, it was a shoot actually, just clearly not scripted. Just like, what's your name again? I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, uh, yeah, there, there's a match later on involving both of these women on the same side. So what's the bloody point? Enough of all this. It's now time. For this, it's short, it's crap, it's wrestling related. The five star review review nailed it. Don't know what that was in this week's five-star review reviews brought to you uh, by Brett Waters. If you want to suggest something short, crap, and wrestling related for us to review instead of something on Monday night, raw, all you need to do is subscribe to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five-star review, just like Brett did. Uh, he says, this one is a little out there, lads. For this week's five-star review review, I'd like you uh, to watch Cheap Wrestler on YouTube. It's definitely short crap and wrestling related. Michael Hampley, give us a backstory to this weird TLC video. 
I can't. Um, uh, yeah, TLC make obviously cheap fly on the wall content, and every now and then these documentary series like have a poke at wrestling because there's an easy, weird story to find pretty much wherever you look. And they found one in a training school. Um, and I imagine the real beneficiaries of this, where the real backflips were happening, weren't in that training school, were at Impact Wrestling, where <laughs> judging who the wrestlers were going to see later on in this profile piece and the colour of the ropes and the art of the staging, I had this at about 2011, 2012, Hogan and Bischoff have come in, strip mine the place, and it's suddenly not as relevant as it once was. And they were probably thrilled to still be seen as the big leagues on a network like TLC when they were rapidly falling from view. I've realised as well, I've done a terrible thing for both of you because I sent you the link to this and we've watched it, obviously, and made notes on it. But obviously, YouTube is like, oh, you've watched that. Do you want to watch all this stuff now? So now it's going to be like, there was like, the you know, adult baby, the woman who uses her hair to floss her teeth. It's like, oh, <laughs> thanks. They're all going to be popping up now. But in typical TNA fashion, I know this is going to like sort of step on the toes of the actual content. In exchange for like allowing the protagonist of this episode of Extreme Cheapskates, he talks up, I know TNA, it's like one of the biggest promotions in the world. Yeah, but he's just an idiot that you are punching down on to create your television. If you're TNA, you're thinking, right, put like 30 seconds of highlights to make it look good. And instead, he just says it, he's got no authority, and then they just cut to like an empty <laughs> impact zone for his tryout. It's like, give to sick. We need 30 seconds of us looking good on this show. If we're going to lend you the facility, it is bonkers. Look at Angle. Oh, by the way, there's an Olympic gold medalist wrestling for us. He's going to judge this guy, not even mentioned. <laughs> it's just like, there's Magnus. Here's what he's going to have to say It'll about it. Terry Taylor in WWE. Now he has some uh, production stiff we've got. <laughs> uh, I mean, I do. Is it TLC do 90 Day Fiance, don't they? With the man with no neck. I liked, I like watching that. That was good. That was good stuff. So it's not all bad. It's not all bad. Better. It's better than TLC by WWE, basically, half the stuff they create. So, yes, uh, the, the little blurb beneath this uh, YouTube video says, to afford his dream of becoming a pro wrestler, Matt, this protagonist, uh, has reduced his spending to just $300 a month, which is about 218 quid, I just Googled. It does remind me of some of the lads. Well, I thought... Oh, it reminds me of some of the lads at like uni or when you're fresh out of uni and trying to save money. Or some of the people at What Culture who think, oh, I don't have to bring in lunch, I'll just eat 10 packets of crisps because they're free. <laughs> <laughs> Not mentioning any names. Feel free to speculate online and you're probably right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's that one. Yeah, it's the one you're thinking of. Yes not on the wrestling team. I'll narrow it down. I'm not giving you any more clues. But they think, well, there's Brendan Christmas in the office, so free food for everyone. Oh, fancy dessert, six custard creams for monsieur. <laughs> anyway. Absolute shoot season. I'm back, baby. Uh, right. So <laughs> the first thing we see is Matt. And he was like, well, don't be wasting money on the old protein shakes. All you need is milk. Obviously, milk. Egg bananas. But he, he puts he puts the eggshells in. Hello, Salmonella. He puts the banana peels in. He might as well put the sodding milk carton in if he's going to go that far, basically. I thought this was a parody at first because this is the first thing you see. And I thought it's a bit like it is, the whole thing's a work. Like, yeah, 
It's a work. But it's being presented as real, obviously. Yeah. I assume it's, it's like start off like an SNL skit. When he chucks that banana in, you're like, oh, this is what we're doing. The milk carton's going in as well. No, no, he's just drinking sludge. That's 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 what he's doing. It's it's when he pours it. And I like I get it. It's a shake, so it's not going to be, you know, a completely smooth thing. But it's like lumps just dripping out. And he goes, extra food, extra nutrients. Why waste? <laughs> I was like, uh, probably because you'll be pooping through the eye of a needle in a bit because uh, you're eating an eggshell and uh, it's not a good idea. Uh, and he says, uh, this is the best and cheapest protein shake ever. His face does not suggest that it is the best and cheapest protein shake ever. Uh, he says, I began my career six years ago. Six years ago? What are you messing about? Dolby Allen's bloody on bloody AW Dynamite, you lazy git. Uh, lives with his mom, of course, he does wrestling. Uh, and then it's like, oh, how this is this is the moment. I realize that like you say it's all a work, but the bit when they were like, oh, okay, we've got you, we've got you. We'll get to your gear in a bit, and you just don't like spending money. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, what else can we do? Say so he recycles his tissues. So this snotty tissues that he dries by the window, and he goes, and if they're wet, bring them out. So job done, isn't it? Was it snot? Yeah, exactly. This is what thing that he said. What was it he said? He said, oh, yeah, yeah even if it saves me just a few dollars a week. How many tissues are you getting through? I know you live with the home with your mom and, you know, figure out that's going. But it's just like, yeah, dry them out, dry them out on the windowsill. These socks, one sock, just dry it out there and use the other sock. Anyway, um, he's got two pairs of underwear. He says, I'm wearing one um, and I do the other one. I do this thing that I like to call the sniff test. That's just everyone at university, basically, there. I mean, they have more than two pairs of underwear, but still, it's still, yeah, it'd be all right. And some people who still work at what culture. Um, uh, he says, uh, I've got to think about, you know, saving more money. So I've decided to be creative with my look. So he just shaves his head, basically. He was like, uh, yeah, being creative with my life, I've got to shave my head. I was like, mm, no, we can see you're losing that battle with your hairline anyway. So it's probably just the best, the best thing that you do that. Uh, he's in the shower and he goes, Mom! You have me shave. No reply. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, I mean, a lot of people in the comments are like, oh, that, that really hits home, that one. Uh, he says, it's cost efficient to shave my head. No shampoo, no conditioner, no barber. And uh, best of all, I look tough. Brilliant editing here. I look tough. Cut to him sitting in the showers again. He's head shaved by his own mom. Fair play. That's some good stuff, that. Uh, he says, uh, my mom's my best friend. Yeah, because... Um, she helps me shave. She buys my food. I like this. She she helps me shave. She buys my food, and I take it. Brilliant. So that's one of the jobs, is it? Thank you. There you go. <laughs> job one. Um, they say that uh, the voiceover. I like the. It's like really like it's almost like a, a Hollywood voiceover bloke that they've got to, and he's like, you could save twenty. People spend twenty five hundred dollars a year on hair removal, and he goes, "Yeah, my mum just waxes me instead." And there's just a shot of her getting dangerously close to his crotch with some waxing strips, basically. This was Catholic wax. <laughs> uh, and then he introduces uh, his El Cheapo wrestling bag. Um, he says, "I've got a cup here. I borrowed it from another wrestler. It's a bit old. Sniffs it. Don't need to sniff it. I mean, it's a it's a cup that goes in your cack. You don't it's like to... somebody else's cack." So. <laughs> <laughs> This is the thing I like to call the cocksmith test. <laughs> <laughs> also, do you reckon do you reckon after his feud with Shinsuke Nakamura, AJ Styles went, oh, bloody cop, brilliant. I should have borrowed it off another wrestler. I was getting kicked in the cack every night. Um, he uh, he ties his boots up with tape because they're all a bit busted. More on that with Kurt Angle a little bit later on. 
And he says, uh, don't waste money on the gym membership, just work out at home. So he uh, cut to his mom spotting him <laughs> as he lives milk cartons attached to a broom. No one's ever done this. No one's ever done this. Ever. No. Because then they were like, they were like, okay, yeah. Because it's like, okay, you, your home gym and stuff, right? The milk cartons on a broom is obviously a massive stretch anyway. Just bench press your mom, right? But also, they were like, oh, what else, what else can you do? So you can do like shadow boxing. You wouldn't spend any money on that. And then, yeah, lifting weights. Yeah, yeah. What else do they do? Skipping. And then they clearly went, we can't buy a skipping rope because that'd be like, hmm. So they've got him to like skip with a washing line because he had like two handfuls of whatever it was. And he was just doing a bit of skipping with that. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, uh, you could take it to such logical extremes. Like, huh. Slither there. Slither <laughs> stuff costs too much money. <laughs> <laughs> might as well do. Like, oh, wait. It's the bit where they're like... Buy a dumbbell, dick. Yeah, the bit there where they're like, oh, what else can we do? We can do some sort of resistance training. Right, yeah, but oh, how can we do that? Have his mum pull him uh, on a skateboard whilst he's got a bungee cord wrapped around his pillar? Yeah, that'll do. Right, like how sort of far are they going to extend it? Right, it's like, like you know, to be a wrestler, you got to have this great look. And wrestlers today have got cool tattoos. Smash cut to him screaming as his mom like, <laughs> oh, ah, right, number one, the best. Ah, <laughs> that's the thing. He's got really nice tattoos, and everyone in the comments like, they cost quite a bit of money. Uh, I also like he, he's doing this thing where he's like, well, I pay for a gym membership, and you can do all this. I should charge people to come to my gym. Oh yeah, that wouldn't be weird. Do you want to come and train in my basement? My mom will help us out. Uh, and then we cut to Joel Maximo, uh, who's a trainer in New York. He trains for free. He says, hey, I'll let you train in my gym for free. You got to clean. You got to fix the ring. You got to take it down. Huh? Hey. hey. I don't know why Enzo Amore is training wrestlers when he's not very good at the craft. It's Joel Maximo from Everise. <laughs> uh, and then it comes to the crux of the piece. I have the money. Why use it when I could save it instead? Brilliant. Fantastic. There we go. That's, that could have saved us 10 minutes. We've got it. So good news, everyone. Uh, he gets called for a TNA tryout. Uh, but bad news, he's got to get to Kentucky. So he decides to drive rather than fly. No toll booths and stuff. He researches where to buy gas and all that. Uh, and then he gets uh, and he thinks, oh, okay. well, you know, step it up. It's TNA. I know, but step it up. And he goes, oh, tanning. Forgot to tan. I'm uh, well, I'm not going to go to a tanning salon or, uh, you know, a sunbed or anything. I'll tell you what I'll do. What I'll do is I'll put six tea bags in a squirty bottle, fill it up with water and wait a bit, and then just get my mum to spray me with tea. <laughs> so he walks in, like you say, and there is Magnus, Nick, Nick Aldis, uh, Chris Saban, great to see Chris Saban always, uh, and Kurt Angle, and the looks on their faces when he's like, I mean, he's, he's a little guy anyway. They're just there like, who's this prick, basically? This guy that stinks of bruise. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, Kurt Angle just ends his life because he comes in and they're like, oh, what have you got going on there? You've taped your boots up. Right, he's used a whole ream of tape on these boots, which surely is, anyway, but yeah. And <laughs> one of the only things you hear Kurt Angle say is, shoestrings are 99 cents, brother. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> It's literally a shoestring budget. So, <laughs> Kurt Angle opens up a gold medal finance as a life after that. <laughs> um, and uh, I think it's Magnus. He's like, you only get one chance to make a first impression. All I can think of, like you say, Hamlet, is this lad stinks of tea. What's going on? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Chris Sabin chucks him around the ring a bit. 
All I can think about Twitter gimmick, except it's Tet Lee. T bar. Somebody's got that one actually. So. Um. So Chris Saban chucks him around the ring a bit. I sort of glaze over and remember Chris. Is it Jerry Lynn that Chris Saban goes after in that debate? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> leasing with Nickelback. If you get a chance, yeah, go and check it out. It's it's Motor City Machine Guns. Who are they? It's Jerry Lynn and who's it? I can't remember. Oh, is it Backlund? Bob Backlund. Backlund yeah, that's chaired by Kevin Nash. Yeah, obviously Hamlet introduced me to that. <laughs> they just they just watch watch them try not to corpse as they call Jerry Lynn the lead singer and Nickelback basically. Um, and they go, so what do you reckon? And they go, yeah, when can you start? Uh, oh, actually, no. So they say, um, you've got a long, long way to go. Um, they sort of shoot on his boots again and Saban's like, you've got the number one attack- attraction tattooed on your chest. I thought they gave him some good PG tips here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they say, you've got potential, <laughs> but being such a cheapskate, you need to invest in yourself, basically. And it concludes with him saying, what's the line? Pro wrestling is a lifestyle, but being cheap is my life. <laughs> Um, I, I couldn't work out if it was if his name was actually El Cheapo or whether that was like a thing because I found someone who worked for obviously CCW uh, as El Cheapo, but I'm not sure if it's the same guy or not. The comment section says he's now might be a rapper. He's got his own YouTube channel. Go and support him. Go and send him a nice little comment from us because uh, we have to move on now to the comment section. Unbelievably, I have to say this: these re- do not reflect the views of myself, the Dadly Boys, or anyone at What Culture Wrestling. Uh, Marcos. Right. Well, he may be cheap, but this documentary was more entertaining than Raw, and that's priceless, <laughs> which is personified here. Um, Eric Child writes, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I like it. Fun fact, he changed his wrestling name to just L, as his full name would be too expensive to print out per letter on a billboard. Good. That's not bad, that. like that. There's always someone flexing in the comments, isn't there? Quite literally, in this case. The Greek pianist writes, I weightlift and I could never imagine bench pressing with milk cartons. Yeah, the equipment can be expensive, but it's worth it since it gets you ripped just like me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's actually in the comments, Cheap Wrestling. He replied to someone, including Shum, who writes, writes, so great seeing how far Ricochet has come. (laughs) Oh, that's levels, levels. And uh, Zero Light writes, oh, I love these comments. Imagine if he goes to WWE, wins the championship 20 years later, gets in the Hall of Fame. That's the inspirational AF. There's several reasons why that ain't going to happen. Final comment here. Obviously, the main, the real story here is his lovely mom who just helps him and is incredibly supportive of him. And she says, he's not cheap, my son. He's just frugal and I just want to help him live his dream. And she comes on this journey with him to Kentucky and she comforts him when they knock him back a little bit. And yeah, watches this 10 minute video of this lad cutting all the corners and just trying to make it in TNA and just writes, oh, his mom's a beauty. Oh. <laughs> 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 a beauty. Yo, beauty. <laughs> it's a goal scored on the away end in the 90th minute. It's like, it's a human woman. 
<laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So thanks to Brett Waters for that. If you want to suggest something short, crapper and wrestling rated for us to review instead of a god-awful Raw segment, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling and leave us a five-star review. Oh, there's uh, still loads left. Yeah, you've, you've gone early here, haven't you? That's the problem. Uh, did I mention Rhea Ripley beat Nikki ASH? I'm not even sure if I did because I couldn't care less. Uh, Chapman lost twice. Yeah, that's basically the story of this show. And they went, ooh, can she retain on Saturday? Who cares? She got hit by a, a <laughs> big boon of Riptide. And yep. then uh, Nikki brawled with Charlotte and afterwards... And uh, Charlotte gets their head kicked in, basically. Oh, I'm going to have to come back to this later. Um, Jinder Mahal is in the back with Shanky and Veer. They're Jinder's heavies. Uh, and uh, I think he implied that Drew McIntyre, again, was going to murder them with a sword. Uh, but there's a stipulation to this match. If they win, uh, he can't bring his sword to ringside at SummerSlam. Uh, but if he wins, they can't come to ringside. Because they've been so effective against Jinder, uh, Drew McIntyre for so long for Jinder. Um, then uh, backstage MVPs asking for some chicken and some steak and some water and gets asked about what's going to happen later on with face-to-face. And they were like, oh, don't worry, we've been plotting a little cheap shot later. That's going to do it, basically. And uh, MVP basically said about Goldberg spearing him and disrespecting uh, him and Lashley. And they're going to make him pay later on. And then we got the handicap match. It went three and a half minutes. Drew McIntyre just battering Veer and Shanky. He hit um, a Mishinoku driver on Shanky. He hit DDT on Veer. And then he claymores Shanky. One, two, three. So his sword can come to SummerSlam. But sadly, Veer and Shanky won't be getting the payday. Post-match, Veer goes, I'll just grab the sword anyway. But Drew suplexes him out on the floor grabs the sword, stares at Jinder, they go back and forth, and Drew says, oh, I think Shanky's got something to say. Oh, he wishes he was as fit as me. Uh, Talks about him costing, uh, Jinder costing him that money in the bank match, and he says, look, we've known each other for years. 
And as a result of all this, I'm not just going to beat you at SummerSlam. I'm going to embarrass and humiliate you and create a moment at Jinder's expense that he's going to live forever. And then he does through a show of hands. Who do we think is going to win at SummerSlam? And surprise, surprise, everyone thought it was going to be Drew McIntyre, Michael Sidgwick. Uh, Wilborn, get your finger on the mute buddy, uh, mute buddy, mute button mm-hmm. for me to say uh, right now because at SummerSlam, Drew McIntyre is going to make Jinder Mahal piss and or shit himself, <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. We were very, very enthused, uh, Hamlet and myself, about the sword stuff on previewed on Raw last night. So we're thinking. He can't use this as a weapon because it is a murder object. He can't stab him. He can't slash him. He can't even motion to do any of those things in case it goes a bit wrong. Hamlet's idea, and it's not a terrible one, it's not the right one, but it's not a terrible one, was um, he's going to, like, punch or kick Mahal in the gut, do the whole, oh, buddy, keeled over me. (laughs) So he can do the chair shot to the back. But instead of the chair shot, it's going to be like the side of a sword. So oh, that yeah. you don't get punctured, you just get thwacked. Sorry, I want to hear more from the modern day Maharaj. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think he's going to down uh, Drew McIntyre on Sunday. <laughs> um, I think it's going to happen, right? So we speculated. He can't use it as a sword. Can they put it on its side and go whack, 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 whack? <laughs> It's like, that's a bit terrifying and ineffective and just all around stupid. <laughs> so I thought, ref bonk at SummerSlam. Shanky and Veer come to ringside because the ref can't bloody see what's going on. <laughs> and uh, he gets the sword because it has to de summit. It's Chekhov's sword. So he gets the sword as Shanky and Veer are encroaching the ring, right? Gets the sword, plunges it into the canvas, much like he does the entrance way. Drags it across the canvas and Shanky and V are like, whoa, and plummet underneath a la AJ Files <laughs> at Destination X 2010. There was a line in this that told me what's actually going to happen. Drew McIntyre goes, whoa, lifts the sword out of the little hole that's just there somehow. So it'll bespoke hole and says, don't worry, they're not going to use it. I know you're terrified of it. Right, okay. So we know that Jinder's deathly afraid of the sword. And Drew McIntyre says that I'm going to give you an embarrassment for the ages at SummerSlam. What's literally going to happen is that Drew McIntyre is going to handily defeat Jinder Mahal. And in the post-match with Jinder Mahal selling the Claymore, the old... uh, Zs and Bs or whatever it is coming out of the heads. He's going to sit up and go, oh, buddy hell, buddy hell. He's going to bloody saw that one. And uh, Drew McIntyre's going to have the sword in front of Jinder's face and Jinder's going to go, oh my God. Oh my God, I'm bloody scared of that, I am. I'm scared of the sword. And Drew McIntyre, who has no intention of decapitating or puncturing him <laughs> with the sword, but is going to convey the fact that he is. Jinder Mahal, who's gonna, who was terrified and embarrassed at the mere sight of the sword, is going to piss himself <laughs> or <laughs> himself. This is what's gonna happen. 
Drew's going to do that thing that like kids in early 90s crowd would do when a heel comes out where they pinch the nose and go, oh, disgusting. Just uh, 40,000 people in Vegas that can't smell. <laughs> but Drew McIntyre can because Jinder Mahal's caked himself. I'm telling you, when Jinder Mahal comes out wearing white gear at SummerSlam, I'm going to pop harder <laughs> than I, I'm going to pop harder than I am on Friday. <laughs> uh, right, Charlotte's backstage. She's moaning to Postman Pearson and Sonia Deville about what went down with her getting attacked by Nikki and Rhea post match. So they said, "All oh, right, tell you what, you can have a match. They're going to tag together. You need to find yourself a partner. Take it or leave it, sort of thing." And then we get a new segment, Moist TV, <laughs> with America's Moist Wanted. Uh, Johnny Drip Drip, John Morrison. Uh, it's exactly the same setup as Miss TV, but there's wet stuff in the ring. There's uh, some duck, duckies in a paddling pool or whatever, some dripsticks and all that bollocks, basically. Morrison's clearly a bit peeved with Miss for just faking being in a wheelchair and running away last week. Uh, brings him out and uh, baits him into it by saying, oh, what's your, what's your favourite film? And uh, Miz says, all the Marine movies that I'm in, basically. And uh, he says, oh, right. well, speaking of acting, were you pretending to be injured? Miz says, oh, no, I couldn't possibly. I'd, I'd never fake him out or, or, you know, just use you or anything. Morrison's not happy. Miz is trying to explain himself, and then Damien Priest comes out and he says he's going he's gonna to beat Sheamus in the SummerSlam. He's going to party in Las Vegas. But he's used, he says, Miz, you're using Morrison as your servant. Miz is furious. He says he's been never injured uh, in his 16-year career. He says, oh, yeah, you're going to lose to Sheamus at WrestleMania. Checks notes. Oh, no, he meant to say SummerSlam because he was going to mention WrestleMania about the fact that John Morrison fought her at WrestleMania. Um, basically, Miz says he didn't want to risk anything because he had to take care of his family. Uh, and then he accidentally admits that he was cleared weeks ago. Morrison's not happy about this either. And uh, Morrison suggests, you know what? That's for the debut of Moist TV. Let's have a match. Damien Priest versus The Miz. Miz doesn't want it to happen. Priest pushes him into the kiddie pool. And then it's official, Michael Hamlet. I didn't hate this, you know. I should have hated this. Um, the culmination of the eight-month feud between Damien Priest and The Miz and John Morrison in various incarnations is going to be that uh, they split up mm. as a result of Damien Priest breaking them up from the inside. Um, they were teasing this before Miz got injured in that zombie match, weren't they? Mm. They were bringing up the idea that Morrison was starting to feel used. He was being a little bit neglected by Miz, but taken for granted, all that kind of thing. All of that was built off the fact that Miz was sort of tacitly blaming John Morrison for losing to the celebrity and Bad Bunny at WrestleMania. And they picked it back up ultimately. This was a loose thread that they had to delay because Miz got injured. They had some fun with the wheelchair. And at the point at which he's gotten out of the wheelchair, they've figured out where they were going next with it. Um, Priest is going to get his big win on Sunday. The US title means nothing, but he is a rule-proven exception in a failing system. Damien Priest is having a good year. Um, the belt won't make it any better, but it's what that victory represents, I think, in terms of how they perceive him. Um don't hear any of this. These characters, Moist TV is all very silly. Hypothetical Jade's coming out of a hypothetical cock, etc., etc., etc. But like some of this is every so often funny, and all of these characters feel like they exist with a point. Um, so I didn't really mind any of this. It's like fluff. I'm not going to do backflips over the quality of the content. The writing's like it's a low bar they're clearing, 
Um, but yeah, don't particularly have a problem with any of these characters in this particular story. I hated it. I did hate <laughs> it. Um, at some point, these dickheads are going to sell me on the fact that they really want to fight each other and like it's going to mean something. And it's like, it's not. These are just idiots. These are clowns fighting, out, fighting over water. Um, it's ridiculous. I can't help but listen to the sheer timber of Damien Priest's voice and think, why is he doing like comedy? Like, you've got an actual badass baby face here, and he's just been doing ha ha comedy bollocks for the past however many months of his life. Look at that voice, what a gift that voice is. Mm. Uh, wasted on this, what a load of rubbish. If the whole show wasn't this, maybe I would come to appreciate the fact that Miz is quite good at delivering this material. John Morrison. If, in fact, this is a good thing, and I don't think it is. Like, John Morrison's actually quite good at being mm. a little bit sympathetic mm. and, like, endearing, which Riddle, I don't think, for my taste, is. So the whole show wasn't... broken by this, isn't he, Morrison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does. Like, uh, there's a little bit of pity there. Um, if the show wasn't crawling with this bollocks of ha-ha comedy, then maybe I would appreciate it somewhat if the people who actually can deliver lines with a decent amount of comedic timing, did it as they did, but I don't care about any of this when I just want to die. <laughs> then we got the match, went like two and a half minutes. The Miz did a great job, to be fair, of accidentally on purpose on the microphone going, I'm wrestling in my trousers here in front of these knobheads, and they all go, and Damien Priest batters him. This is delivery of Crap City. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, Morrison won't let him use the stick thing uh, that distracts Miz and Priest batters him and oh yeah Shames is on commentary so Priest hits a bro kick Shames was not happy and yeah they uh, announce I'm going to kick your head off at SummerSlam the match is official the US Championship will be on the line uh, we go backstage it is Eva Marie and Durap uh, who uh, Eva <laughs> shut up man <laughs> Eva blames for losing last week to Alexa Bliss. Uh, Drab tries to blame it on... Uh, and uh, she says, don't... don't. I'll miss that. Don't, uh, don't give me any of that bollocks. Go, go to the... Imagine me. I'm just... Sorry, I just realised what this... Go to the playground and get me the doll. That's effectively what she says here. Eva Marie's hair remains in fabulous condition. Oh, it's spectacular. And uh, then Miz and Morrison arguing backstage whilst the New Day plug their shirt, I think, in the background. I don't know what they... What was this? I didn't get this bit. I don't know. It didn't work. Made me like the two of the most likable guys in the entire company less, so failure. It's the last thing Xavier Woods did. Beat Bobby Lashley. (laughs) (laughs) Failing me. Kofi got completely destroyed by him, didn't he? But didn't Woods beat him a few days before or a few days after? Yeah. It's like no, nothing. Now, just Bob, yeah, Bobby Lashley was defeated by Xavier Woods because they wanted to do a character shift and right get rid of the glasses. I'm all business now, yeah. and he was at the pay per view. But they decided to write off some extras by beating the champion. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I watch the show, Paul? Why would I watch the show? So, uh, yes, we are later on back in the playground. 
I just hate everything about this. Bliss is having a chat with Lily, taking the piss out of Eva Marie and the evolution and all that. And uh, Doodrap shows up, grabs the grabs the doll, goes to leave. And Alexa says, oh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And uh, Why is it AJ Styles? I don't know. I'm trying to do something here. Because... Hellboy? <laughs> it was just poor Piper Niven. You go in, you take the doll, you look at it, and you give it back. <laughs> and that's the end. And scene. <laughs> It's just that iconic bit in Ghostbusters 2 where the mayor looks out on his city with a big, like, awful pink cloud above it and he's like, get me the Ghostbusters and they have to be busted out of the psych ward. It's like there's Eva Marie looking through the blind at the landscape. Get me the doll, do drop. <laughs> you know that thing that everyone else saw? I didn't see it. didn't happen. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, certain WWE fans are spending hundreds of dollars on cameos so they can say, Boston makes me feel good. <laughs> <sighs> right. Next up. I do like this. I like this. The Mansoor Mustafa Ali thing. Uh, Mansoor was facing Rice. As T-Bar was at ringside, um, Mace battered him. Sorry, as T-Bar was at ringside. And uh, he was battering him. They did something like fairly impressive, chucking him around, basically. And then went for a roll-up, as you do if you're the Mace, basically. Um, but um, Ali just kicks him in the face. The referee doesn't see it. Mansoor rolls him up, wins. Good. I do, I, have, I do like this Mansoor Mustafa Ali story, to be honest. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I wish this company wouldn't book these things like this. Like the, I know now it matters, but it would be far more efficient had they just been winning rather than trading off wins and losses with Mason T Bar because it kills it. It really does kill it. But I, uh, it's there's a charm to what's going on with Mustafa Ali and Mansoor, and that's about as generous as I can be towards this thing. They, you know. You kind of want to see them prevail in this never-ending feud with these weird, scruffy, sub-ascension losers. At least get that before they end up turning. Like, you get the turn, you get the heel turn, you get the feud, whatever. Like, it'll be nice to see them finally put these two away, I guess. It's just quite funny how, like, the whole bit is. Mustafa Ali, who really hasn't had a great run in WWE, Mansoor is idiotic enough to think that, oh, he's the guy to follow on my path to stardom, my path to making it in this crazy world of WWE. And you've already made it. You've gone 50-50 in a program that's lasted more than three weeks on Raw. Like, this is it now. You've, that, you've completed the course. <laughs> this is a backstage segment next week, my man. So, so um, thanks for all your help. Anyway. I'm going to leave the team behind. I'm, uh, I'm thinking of entering the, uh, the King of the Ring tournament. And he's like, actually, that's a really good idea. I think you stand a great chance of winning. Um. I mean, he said it himself weeks and weeks ago. It is just like the first story you do on 2K, effectively. You're just like, oh, you made friends with Mustafa Ali, you're fighting two generic heels, and you go 50-50 with him, basically. So learn. You're learning from the from, from Mustafa Ali. Just, just don't ask him any advice about getting briefcases when you stood at the top of the Money in the Bank ladder. Um, right, backstage, uh, Omo says he's going to kill the legend of Randy Orton. 
Uh, and Styles says, yeah, he's going to be the new legend killer and I'm going to be the moron killer because I already beat Riddle. That is a good little line. Uh, and then we got four minutes leading to a DQ of uh, Omos versus Randy Orton. Orton immediately goes for an RKO. Omos obviously blocks it, blocks a punch, hits a scoop slam. He squeezes. I haven't seen one of these, you know, the grip holds things that we haven't seen one of them in ages. Squeezes Orton's head. Um to which AJ Styles is stood at ringside and shouts, squash it like a grape, because presumably because he's part of the five-a-day community. Um, <laughs> almost sends all to the uh, outside. Well, I'm not sure about that. I'll do that one. Uh, almost is knocked uh, onto the outside, so Styles just kicks him right in front of the referee, and the referee goes, uh, ring the bell, I suppose. <laughs> That's a DQ. So they battle and post-match almost hoys him over the barricade with one arm. They're really keen to mention that fact. Uh, bring him back into the ring for style so he can hit him with a phenomenal forearm. But before that, Riddle's, yeah. music, Riddle's music hits. He comes out. He makes a save. He drop kicks Orton off the apron. He clotheslines Styles out the ring. Almost goes to get back in and then realizes Styles is in trouble and furiously gets down. The crowd boo him and he takes Styles over his shoulder to take him to the back. And Riddle helps Orton back to his feet. Orton says, you know what? You know, respect is earned. You had my back tonight, kid. You've earned my respect. He says, RKO are back. They uh, shake hands. They cheer. Um, gives Riddle a hug. Riddle's little face. That was lovely. It was heartwarming. Riddle's ecstatic. He says, Randy, you make me so happy. Which is just got a laugh from the audience, a genuine laugh from the audience. And uh, Riddle announces, RK Bro are challenging Styles and Omos for the tag titles at SummerSlam. Huge pap. Sige, RK Bro reunite, and they're going after the tag titles. About bloody time. Aye, about bloody time. Is this? Is this? Uh, the match is now to speak of. Um, Riddle delivers the word Randy. In such a tone that I think I would prefer in that moment to have a worm-infested anus. That <laughs> is how irritating and painful that I find it. Randy, God, someone kick him in the fucking head. Preferably, preferably <laughs> Randy. <laughs> um, look, uh, Riddle is going to win the Royal Rumble. Like, yeah. if you look at these shows, he's getting a bigger reaction than anyone on the beloved Smackers. Uh, Smackdown, I hate that, Smackers. Um, he's getting a bigger reaction other than anyone other than John Cena in the babyface role. He's going to uh, win the Royal Rumble and go on to WrestleMania 38. Yeah, I, like, they, I, they got their huge response to something that fans have wanted from before they were even back allowed in the buildings. You know, they, like, this has been... This has been the match for a long time and they've got there at the last, which is, I don't know, I guess in a way it's been fairly suspenseful because they could have made a graphic out of this three or four weeks ago, knowing that Orton was due back a couple of weeks for SummerSlam and they didn't. So it's been something that people I think have genuinely pined for and they've delivered it and the match will probably be quite good too. Mm. Uh, Jeff Hardy's backstage before his match with Karrion Cross, um, but they showcased Karrion Cross murdering him last week. Uh, Hardy says he wanted another match because he was angry. He said, uh, Cross is a dangerous man, but I've lived off danger my entire career. And uh, Cross needs to check his hourglass because his 15 minutes are almost up. 
And then Cross jumped in backstage and said, see you out there. And uh, yeah, they went 50 seconds, basically uh, carrying Cross. Jeff Hardy did get some offense in, um, but um, Jeff Hardy goes for a twist of fate. Cross reverses, grabs him, snatches him into the cross jacket. Submission victory. He's rolling into takeover, Hamplet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's going on? What is happening here? Um, he's probably going to lose a takeover on Sunday. So he's going to be minus one belt that he's been wearing after getting his biggest and most sort of definitive victory so far. He's done the whole thing backwards. Um Cross feels it. Well, he's just he, like he's recovered from where he was on his debut, but he just now feels as irrelevant as everybody else. Um, I don't particularly feel like I've got some dominant star on my hands now that he's just squashed Jeff Hardy in 42 seconds. Because why didn't he beat him the first week? Or why did he? What is he now? Three and two? Yes. We should cross check that. Um, I think he's three and two. Like it's taken him all this time just to get a positive win record. Rubbish. Just like. Don't do this now and expect us any of us to give a toss. It's still like, we, it, sorry. Triple H isn't going to be feeling great about this, is he? Isn't like, See, Paul, we're still on your team. It's, it's, it's still good. We still like you, sure. <laughs> Vincent Mann does 50 50 booking so often. Um, you should follow John Pollock on Twitter anyway, but he did a fantastic tweet, like just listing one by one every result of every permutation of Nikki A.S.H., Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, and it makes for absolutely staggering reading. And speaking of staggering reading, it's total mutant. And the reply is going, looks like a competitive NFL uh, league table to me. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it. uh, so you don't know whether it's just what they do to do content churn, or if this is actual sabotage to st- so Vince can turn around and Paul and go, look how normal your guys are. He's not getting over. So we're making him look like the most normal, inessential human being alive by booking him to go 3-2. Nil 1, 1-1. 1-2, 2 I just... Hey, let's move on. Who cares about carrying cross? Talking enough about him on Wednesdays. I want to talk about him on Tuesday as well. Uh, let's talk instead about uh, Dudrap. Uh, she got slapped off. twice in the face uh, for not getting the doll because even Marie said it's a slap in the face. Do you know what that means? There you go. That's what that means. Oh, all right, let's go to the park. Um, <laughs> God, man, that's what I... dinner. Reggie's there. He's talking about going to the park and realizing he could do a backflip or some bollocks. Uh, I wasn't paying attention because I was watching Art Truth and Akira Tozawa sneak about like someone in a cartoon in a bin or dressed as a tree with a with a rep following them. You can't see this because it's on a Zoom. But Michael Hamlet's literally having an exist, existential crisis as we speak. It just it builds on your point, like, and it kind of undermines mine from earlier on about praising Miz and Morrison because the whole point of a skit like this is if it is the only thing on the show like this. Light relief from? Oh, like... Intense sporting action. (laughs) Oh, it's The Rock, the biggest star in the industry on the hottest mainstream show, but like Crash Holly's in a soft play. Contrast is, like, key. Um, These were the second set of characters on this show to go to a park, (laughs) let alone engage in naff comedy. 
like one was sent to a park to reclaim a doll the other was sent to reclaim a belt with about the same value as the doll like you, you just you can't it's like it's always incredibly impressive what reggie's able to pull off flipping around and jumping off trees and leaping over his car and doing the too easy and drive off and then there's just a from from our tooth our truth and akira tosawa but like you say uh, then we cut to Elias, uh, who's burnt his guitar and he's got a gravestone with his name on. And he's four years old, apparently. I don't care about that. It's really boring. Sidrick, I don't think you've heard my Reggie pitch, have you? Wilborn's had it because we talk about it on the SmackDown preview. SummerSlam's in Vegas, isn't it? And Reggie's Cirque du Soleil. I want him to defend it in the circus. Like, imagine him trapezing away from the lads that are all chasing after him. Like, circus stuff from a guy that can actually do it, like, in... Cirque du Soleil's residency as an outside broadcast bit of SummerSlam. I would absolutely love that. It would more than the park stuff. Yeah. The idea of trying to add depth to this <laughs> guy who just flips about to hold on to a comedy title. The, the, the pathos of Reggie <laughs> didn't have the best childhood, but you know, the park represented my escape. <laughs> just do some flips, man. <laughs> that is it. Like, whenever I was uh, down, I would, I would do a backflip and flip 180. That's, it's, it's actually where the uh, kind of the term doing backflips uh, because that's what I was doing in the park. <laughs> uh, oh, good. Uh, it's time for. I turned that right upside down, so I started doing uh, handstands. <laughs> the law of Reggie. <laughs> Crying upside down, the Reggie story. <laughs> oh, God. I don't want to. Uh, there was one I thing. I wasn't doing cartwheels over my childhood. I thought, why not? <laughs> <laughs> there was one, the one oh, thing. I'm 24-7. <laughs> <laughs> I went to the park and did a backflip and someone went, park, cool. And he was like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Nikki A.S.H. and Rhea Ripley for Charlotte Flair and her mystery partner, Nia Jax. Uh, no, not the main event yet. Should have been on main event. <laughs> I did. Do you know why I like this? Because uh, uh, how long Shane Bain and Ben have been on the main roster? And they've been like, people look at me wondering, why is Shane Baszler? So we'll show her backstage. But um, they won't get her nickname. So have a play with a deck of cards. <laughs> and that was about five weeks ago as well, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Nia Jax uh, channels her in a rikishi ears, a distinct face at one point to uh, Nikki A.S.H. And uh, Ripley got a hot tag, came in, uh, battered Charlotte a bit, spinning kick, Northern Lights suplex, got a two count. Um, but Charlotte gets out of the way of a drop kick, tags in Jack, she hits a Samoa drop, sets up for a Vader bomb on, uh, on Rhea Ripley. And Charlotte tags herself in, because piss off. Kicks Nikki off the apron. It's a natural selection and uh, wins. So it's, uh, I've just caught my own bloody face in the Zoom window and it's my turn for an existential existential crisis because what is this? I'm watching a match in which a champion loses for the second consecutive time on one show. <laughs> one show, right? So there's that. There's also Nia Jax. And the story of the match is... Nia Jax pretty much has it won against a team comprised 
of a champion and a challenger for a pay-per-view match, right? And Nia Jax is in fact so dominant that she's having, she just loves to have fun. So she's wiping her ass in Nikki Asich's face. And then she's like clowning about on the top rope. And then Charlotte tags in. And I'm thinking, what, what, what can all this build to? You're building your SummerSlam triple threat women's match by beating your two challengers, or one challenger and one champion. And if there's a threat of another Charlotte Flair versus Nia Jax feud, it's premised on the fact that the unlikable one thinks that the other unlikable one is clowning around. Are we in for another heel program? What, what was this? I, I love over the course of six minutes because nobody can go exist. Charlotte was like backstage. I want you for my mystery partner. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) What we've already had. Uh, Oh, Nikki's winning winning on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Lost and lost and lost and lost and lost. She's beating them both. (laughs) And so what's happening? She's going to stack stack them and pin them both. Uh, Styles said, Oh, we've beaten all the tag teams, we can be- beat these knobheads on Saturday, basically. And then we got to the main event, Yahoo! Uh, it was Goldberg and Bobby Lashley face to face. Goldberg comes out, talks about moving his family to Texas, introduced his son, Gage, sitting at ringside with his mates. He said, Look, you're the reason I came out of retirement. I know you can just go online and see who Goldberg was, but. I want you to see in person who Goldberg is, who his father is. Out comes Bobby Lashley and MVP. Uh, they say Goldberg's outmatched. Uh, he thought he could come back and hit a spear and hit a jackhammer. Please don't go for a jackhammer on Saturday, Bill. Uh, Lashley. Not my move then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he saw Lashley. No, he has Gosin on the ring as well. That's his other signature thing. Uh he said he came back, saw Lashley, and knew it was different. He was facing a man more dangerous, more explosive, and more dominant. Uh, Lashley said, look, I know you want a, a moment at SummerSlam. I'm going to give it to you because your career is going to be ended by the almighty. Goldberg laughed and said, Lashley, that's BS. Except he didn't say BS, he said the words. Um, Lashley put his plan into, into action, though, this scheme they'd been working on for months went to cheap shop Bill Goldberg who ducked and then speared him oh that didn't work and then uh, Goldberg celebrated got his son and posed at the ramp at the top of the ramp as the show went off the air and all I could think was you know it's been a tough 18 months for, for many of us but if I get Dominic Mysterio turning on his dad and Gage getting murdered by Bobby Ashley on one night, maybe it was all worth it, Michael Hamplett. Didn't even consider that you'd be doubling down on father-son violence at SummerSlam. Um, I begged yesterday on the preview for just a single, like, a hook. And obviously they looked towards AEW and saw hook. <laughs> Involve the son. And I don't believe it because... I know for a fact Gage Goldberg has seen his dad wrestle because I had to see Gage Goldberg with his top off the night after. <laughs> and it was really weird and I didn't care for it. I quite like the bit where he fell over getting over the ramp and Goldberg was like, he took one more bum than me, hey, Potter, see you in six months. But that's, it's bollocks. To quote Bill Goldberg himself, check the timestamp on the mute, it's bullshit. the stories. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they didn't give you the reason 
as you say, laughable master plan. Like, just, I love the idea of like a vault with a sort of secret parchment in, and then it just says, chin him. <laughs> Punch him in the face. Uh, I, this has been so poor. Really, really poor. Really lazy. Um, they're lucky that this isn't going longer than like two minutes. That's that's all I can say is that it's fortuitous that you know this match isn't going long because this has been pathetically built. I can't add anything to what is nothing. My prevailing take is that Goldberg, between this programme, if you can even call it that, and the Drew McIntyre programme, if you can call it that, he's washed as like this difference maker who feels like a big deal. He does not feel remotely like a big deal anymore, does Big Bill. Not remotely. Um, 2016 and 2017 feel like a long way off. And uh, that was the big thing for fans coming back. And for SummerSlam, this company is going to be so funny in September, man. It's going to be absolutely hilariously bad. I cannot wait. Because with tumbling ratings, comes a bit of desperation. It's going to be bad. Already is. Already is. And then we have it, the SummerSlam go-home show for, for Monday Night Raw. Uh, let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, including our NXT preview Coming later on today, ahead, of course. Oh, Tuesdays are rubbish. 36. Right, this has been the Raw Review. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 